At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. Welcome to our series, Newish. Everything's changed, have you? Where we're celebrating that in Christ, we have been given new life. The only question is, are you living it? Let's turn to Romans chapters five through seven to decipher whether we're living in Christ's freedom or trapped in the patterns of our old life. Uh, we're gonna be looking at Romans chapter seven uh, this morning. And you know, I'm so appreciative of the, our worship team. They do a great job every single week. Let's give God praise for them. And you know, it's, uh, it's, it's important that we're led. You know, it's important that we uh, understand the opportunity that God gives us to not only lead us, but to be led by others and how we have that privilege. And so I'm so thankful for our, our worship team. And you know, as we just sang that song, it's also important that we understand our identity. For how we see ourselves and who we are impacts what we do. Right? We know this. Right? If, we, if we think that we are something, then we act like that which we think we are. And it's important, um, as we've been walking through this series in Romans, helping us to understand our Christian identity, that we embrace it so that we can know who we are, so that we can know how we, it is that God wants us to live. And you know, last week uh, in my life group, uh, we were talking about just the, the topic from last week of how God has made us free from being slaves to sin so that we may be free to be slaves to righteousness. And someone in the group while we were talking reminded me of back in 1863, what America was like. Remember back in 1863? Was anyone alive back in 1863? Of course not. But we remember because you've been a part of history. and You've read uh, in 1863, America at that time was deeply divided. Remember, there was like the north and then there was the south. And families were divided, so deeply divided that, that sons would choose to side with the north and, and fathers would choose to side with the south. And families were divided. And God allowed there to be just a great leader during that time. And his name was Abraham Lincoln. And back in 1863, he made a proclamation. It's called the Emancipation Proclamation, where for the United States, he determined in that moment that slavery would be abolished. It was a monumental moment in American history. It didn't matter where you were. It didn't matter the color of your skin. It didn't matter how much money you made. Everyone in America was free and no longer were allowed to be slaves. But a stark an interesting reality took place that even in that moment when legally every American was made free, practically not all Americans were. You see, in that time, those that had, had come to America or had been brought to, to America and had lived their lives and maybe even been the second generation slave, all they knew was slavery and while the, legally it was true that African Americans were free in that moment, many of them didn't actually experience freedom till much, much later. Even though newspapers all throughout the country had titles and, and headlines that said slavery, slavery legally abolished, many continued to live as though they were still slaves because they didn't know any better. And when a person learned that they were free, people would come up to people that were living in slavery and they would say, guess what, you're free. 
These people that lived in slavery their whole lives, they're like, I don't know what to do now. I don't know how to live. I don't know, I don't know where to go. I don't know how to make decisions on my own. I didn't know how to walk in this new identity. They had lived their lives in a cruel and abusive institution that diminished their value as people being made in the image of God, and they had no idea how to live as free. They struggled because they knew nothing of freedom. And as we talked about this last week, I was just overwhelmed by that because it's so connected to the Christian life. Right? In, in our Christian life, especially as we talked about last week, is that we, because of what Jesus has done and because of when we place faith in Jesus, we are free from slavery to sin. Sin no longer has dominion over us. It's no longer our master. It no longer makes us go down a path that leads to destruction. But we are free to follow Jesus and we are free to be followers of him that produce righteousness. And even as freed people from slavery and freed from the slavery of sin. Sometimes even new believers or even believers find themselves falling into their old patterns, falling into our old habits of things that we used to do when we were still slaves to sin. So as we come to faith in Christ, we need to understand our identity. We need to walk in it. And I'm telling you, I see so many of our brothers and sisters, those that have given their lives over to Jesus, not understanding their identity. They're follow, they follow into and they walk in the old patterns and the old habits of who they used to be. And I want us to understand today that God has set us free and we must walk in this freedom. And this is why Paul writes this letter. As Paul is writing the letter of Romans, not only is he giving us a deep, profound understanding of the gospel, but as he wants us to understand what Jesus has already come to do, he wants us to understand who we are as followers of Christ. The moment that you place your faith in the work of Jesus Christ, something dramatic happens. Something awesome happens. We go from being an enemy of God to becoming a child of God. We come, go from being a slave to sin, now being freed so that we can be a slave to righteousness. All of these things take place, and Paul is helping us understand this identity so that we may walk in it. And let me recap just real quickly some of these new identities that God gives us because of our faith in Christ. Paul has already told us because of, through our faith in Christ, we now have peace with God that we both have been reconciled to God and we have been justified before God. We also see that through Christ and his work on the cross and his death and his resurrection, that we now live in a place where death no longer is our destiny. Where the curse that we've inherited because of Adam and Eve's sin, that curse that has cursed everything and leads to death and condemnation, now through Christ we have life and eternal life. We've already learned that we're dead to sin and alive to God, that sin no longer has power over us. And then last week we learned that we're no longer slaves to sin, but we can be slaves to righteousness. And so today, as we're gonna continue to understand our new identity, Paul wants us to understand how it is that we as followers of Christ are to relate to the law. 
Now, the law is the law that God gave his people in the Old Testament. How is it now that we who are free from sin and now have this deep relationship with God, how is it that we relate to the law? And this is important uh, for Paul's readers at this time because many of Paul's readers have, were former Jews, Jews that had been brought up in the ways of the Lord and underneath the teaching of the Torah and underneath the Old Testament law. And so Paul is writing them to help them understand how is it that the way that you were raised and the way that you were brought up and the way that you saw the commands of God, this now is changing in this new identity. And we need to understand that it's this law that defined the, the lives of the Jews. It defined everything about their lives. Their customs, their practices, their social interactions were all engaged by and defined by the law. The law gave them their identity. The law gave them their ethics. And further, they were bound by the covenant of the law. And so Paul knows that the Jewish believers could not simply dismiss the law. They couldn't just say, uh, okay, that's the way that I was raised. That's the way God gives us his standards. And now we can just go a different way. Paul needed to do some deep work so that they could understand the position of the law in their life, the purpose of the law in their life, and how their new identity is much better than living out their own way. So this new identity in Christ, and what we're going to see in this passage today, is that belonging to Christ leads us to bear fruit in Christ. Belonging to Christ leads us to bear fruit in Christ. And we're going to further unpack this. So Paul wants these believers and, and, and wants us today to understand how the law fits into our lives and how it produces things, right? The, the goal of the Christian life is to bear much fruit. We are to, as we are on this journey towards sanctification, as we've talked about in the past, that God is setting us on this journey where day by day we look less and less like our old selves and more and more like Jesus, and in the process, we should change and our lives should do certain things. And these believers that had grown up under the law believed that it was the law and holding to the law and obeying the law is what produced life. And now what Paul is saying is, no, no, no. It's belonging to Christ that bears much fruit. And so this is where he's going. Let's see how he gets there and how he begins to unpack and to help us see how the law is supposed to um, be in the life of a believer. And so today we're gonna see three ways in which we, we begin to grow and understand how to bear much fruit that leads to eternal life. Let's look in Romans chapter seven, beginning in verse one. Paul writes, or do you not know, brothers, that I am speaking to those who know the law. And the law is binding on a person only as long as he lives. For a married woman is bound by the law to her husband while he lives. For if her husband dies, she is released from the law of marriage. Accordingly, she will be called an adulteress if she lives with another man while her husband is alive. For if her husband dies, she is free from the law and if she marries another man, she is, she is not an adulteress. Likewise, my brothers, you who also died to the law through the body of Christ. The first truth that we need to see in, in understanding our, our new position and the new way that we walk 
is that belonging to Christ releases us from the law. Belonging to Christ release us, releases us from the law. Now we need to, again, understand the purpose of the law and God's designation of the law. God, because he's the creator of all things, remember we've said that he has the right to set the rules. He has the right to give the standards for all life. He can determine what's right and what's wrong and what's good and what's bad. He, as the creator of all things, owns that right. And he has done so. He has done so by giving not only the universal law that's on our hearts where we know that there's a creator, but he's given a specific law specifically to his people, those Jewish people that he called as his special people in the Old Testament. But we need to understand the purpose of the law. You see, the law was given as the set of standards. These are the boundaries of life. And they're really there not so that we would experience freedom in life, but so that we would know every time we go outside of the boundaries. That's why it was given. God gave the law so his people would know just how sinful they really are. And every time they'd step outside those boundaries, they understand that they fail to meet those standards. And what happens is they fail to meet those standards is that it produces guilt over their failures. They see that here's God's standards. I can't live with inside the God's standards, so I feel guilty. And then the law was there to allow them to know that they're condemned to death. You see, the law does not help with the sin problem. The law is not the answer for overcoming sin. The law helps define the problem. It helps put a, a, a definition on what it is that we're doing. The law can never deliver us from the problem. And this is what Paul is getting to. Is the law did not come to set you free. The law came to show you how sinful that you really are. And so many times, and, and in the Old Testament times, and even in, in Paul's time as he's writing, there were those that tried to live according to the law so that they could say, God, look at all that I've done, so I have to be in right standing before you. I've never killed. I've never committed adultery. I've never done this. I've never done that. And because of that, God, you have to accept me because of who I am and what I've done. And Jesus comes to say, no, that's not it at all. You've violated all of law. If you've broken just one part of the law, you've broken the whole law, and you stand condemned. You are in need of a Savior. That's what Jesus came to do. And so in Romans chapter 7, before he gets to the principle of this understanding, Paul uses an illustration of the covenant law as it relates to marriage. And he's going back to Deuteronomy chapter 24, which was part of the law, which says that when you enter into the covenant of marriage, one man and one woman, that covenant relationship is meant to be remain, remained intact. That that covenant relationship is only fulfilled in death. Death fulfills the covenant. That if one of the spouses dies, then the other spouse that's left is still free once again to marry again. And no longer are they bound by that covenant. 
So he uses this illustration of, of a married woman who is bound by the law to her husband. And it's not until her husband dies that she's released from the law. But if her husband is still alive and she's with another man, she has committed adultery. She's violated that covenant. But if the husband dies, then she's free to marry again. Which is the principle that the law is only in effect as long as a person is alive. If a person dies, then they are no longer bound to the law. And we know this too. We know this working out because in our own lives and what we see today, when we see marriages go into times of difficulty where we, we celebrate on the wedding day, right? We gather together and we, we see the, the couple come together and they take their vows and they enter into covenant marriage. That's a time of celebration. It's a time of dancing. It's a time of, of just joy and all of that. But then as we go through life and we hear that that marriage has become frayed because one of the partners in that marriage has been unfaithful, we feel a sense of loss even in our own lives. Right? We feel a sense of hurt for them. But what happens when we celebrate that marriage and then later on in life, one of those partners dies? And yes, we mourn the death and we mourn the loss. But then when the, 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 the spouse of the partner is, uh, that has been left behind marries another, we rejoice again. Because, they're, again, they're no longer bound by the, the old law and the old covenant of marriage, but they are free to marry again. This is what Paul is getting to as it relates to the law. You see, the law was bind, binding to God's people, but now that Jesus has come and he has died and he has been risen again, now the connection to the covenant of the law has been fulfilled it's no longer the law that God's people use and follow in order to be made right with God. So since we are no longer bound to the law, we no longer have to live like it's under the law that pleases God. I mean, I know in my own marriage, I don't wake up every morning thinking to myself, man, I hope I don't lose my marriage today. I don't, I, don't, I don't walk through my life thinking, man, I got to do something today to keep my marriage. Right? I don't, I don't do that. Why? Because I'm in the covenant relationship and I walk and I live from that identity, not hoping to keep it. And this is how, this is how it is in the Christian life. So many times Christians don't understand this new identity. This covenant that you're in now with Christ because you are, are bound with Christ now it's not something you live that you have to continue gain and earn. It's something that is, and you live not to get it, but you live from it. And this is what Paul is getting to. We don't live in such a way to please God as though we are made right by our, by our obedience, but we live from a place of being made right already with God through what Christ has done. So belonging to Christ means that we are freed from the law. Second, I want us to see that belonging to Christ weds us to him. Look at me in the second part of verse four. He says, he's done all this so that you may belong to another, to him who has been raised from the dead. So we have been freed from the law. 
We have been freed from the oppression of the law so that we may belong to another. It's this imagery of, of marriage that we have been freed from our old master or we've been freed from the old person that we were submissive to to now be freed to be submissive to another. And we know that for salvation is found in Christ alone. We have been saved so that we may belong to another, so that we may enter into a deep relationship with God himself through Christ. And it's the him that has been raised from the dead. So it is through Jesus who has the power to put to death the, the, the commands and the regulations of the law over our lives. When I do marriage counseling or when I meet with a couple that uh, is moving towards being married, I share with them the truths that are found in Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, where scripture defines marriage as, as this idea, as it says, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast or cleave to his wife and they shall become one flesh. So in the, this idea of marriage, there's this letting go of something that's old and embracing something that's new, right? Before marriage, uh, even in my own life, before I was married, I had responsibilities specifically to my family and to my brothers and sisters. I was a son and I was a brother and I lived in that identity. But when I became married, what happens is I leave that, the, the commands, or not the commands, the major responsibility, the, the primary identity from which I lived in, I leave that and now enter into this new relationship. I cleave or I hold fast to this new relationship with my wife. It's not like when you get married and you um, embrace your new relationship with your spouse, you don't go back to living like you did before you were married. Right? You don't get married and then go move back into your parents' house and live in your childhood bedroom. Right? That would be weird. Right? But some try to do that in the Christian life. They, 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 they try to go back and they say, no, I want to be like I used to be. I want to do the things I used to do. And they don't understand that now you're in this new relationship. You're leaving the old world behind and you're cleaving to the new one that you love. We leave our old families and we embrace our new one. And you know, when we come to embrace Christ and we begin to live in this new life, in this new pattern, it can be hard to allow those old habits to die. But Christ has set us free so that we can live in this new identity. Not that we have to go back, continue to do the things that we used to do, but live like we are a child of God, that as though we are married to Christ himself and want to stay faithful to that commitment. It is in this new relationship that now defines our new selves because we belong to another. We have another that rules over our heart, another that gains our attention, another that gains our affection, another that we seek to enjoy the presence of, and it's Christ alone. So not only have we been freed from the law, 
We belong to Jesus. And it's in this place of belonging to Jesus that third, that we are empowered in a new way to serve. It's because what Jesus has set us free, now that we belong to him, now we are empowered to serve in a new way. Look with me in the third part of verse four through six. He's done all this so that we may bear fruit for God. For while you were living in the flesh, our sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit for death. But now we are released from the law having died to that which held us captive, so that we may serve in the new way of the Spirit and not of the old way of the written code. So as we go back now, we see that, we have, that God has done all of this so that we may bear fruit. And the fruit that we bear now is a different kind of fruit than was, that we were bearing before. Right? Whatever, whatever our identity is, as we've talked about, whatever our identity is, it impacts the way that what we do and it impacts what we produce. And so in the old way of thinking, when, when sin mastered our hearts and sin mastered our lives and we were um, connected to sin, what was produced by that were sinful passions. And they were our work and our members to produce, produce fruit of death. And what, what's crazy about it is that he's even talking about the law. And so what happens because of our sinful nature, we would see God's boundaries of the law where God says, this is the boundaries that I have inside of your freedom. Don't go outside of these boundaries. When sin ruled in our hearts, we saw God's boundaries and they aroused our passions to try and break the law. We know this. We, do, we see this in our lives. How many times do you see the sign, do not touch and you want to touch it, right? And this is what Paul is saying. When God gives us the boundaries and he says, do not touch, something inside of us, the sin inside of us, aroused us to want us to say, okay, I'm going to touch it. You're not the boss of me. Who are you to tell me what I should and should not do? He says, that's the way of the old. We're no long, we no longer live that way. The law no longer has um, commands over us or constraints in our lives. We obey not out of a, a sense of trying to earn God's favor, but we obey because we are children of God. So we're now released from the law. Having died to it, it's no longer holding us captive, but now we're able to serve in a new way. In the Old Testament, we see that God's spirit would come down on, on men and, and people uh, at sp for specific times and for specific tasks. Right When King David was king, the spirit of God rested on him for that time while he served. We see that the spirit of God even before that uh, was on Saul. When Saul was the first king of Israel, the spirit of God came and rested on him, but then the spirit of God left him when he began to disobey and to go his own way. And we see this throughout the, all the Old Testament. But now what, God, what we're learning in this passage is the Spirit 
now comes to indwell the, the, the child of God at the moment of salvation. And over the next several weeks, we're going to talk about the way in which the Spirit works inside of our lives. The way the Spirit, is, God has given us this power to actually obey the commands. And I can't wait to unpack that over the next several weeks. But quite simply, what, what we see now is happening is before, we had no power to obey in ourselves. But now through faith in Christ, the spirit now rests inside of us and now we have the power to serve God. Let me tell you a quick story to kind of bring all of this together. Once upon a time, there was a woman who had entered into a marriage with a man who was very controlling and very demanding. Every single morning before the, the husband would go off to work, he'd leave a long list of things that he wanted the wife to do. And the wife's job while the husband was away was to make sure that she followed that checklist to the letter. And if the husband, when the husband came back, he would always, uh, when he came back from work, he would always come into the house and immediately begin to inspect the woman's work. And if something was found out of place, something was, was not met or something wasn't done, he would give it to her. He would uh, chew her out, rip her up and down, and just make her feel so berated and so belittled. And this happened every single day. Can you imagine how that woman felt? Oppressed, worthless, as though nothing she could do was ever any good. She probably felt as though she was a slave. She probably felt as though she had no freedom. She probably felt as though she was no good. And one day, her husband died. And short time after that, she was married to another man. And this man never gave her a list, never was demeaning, never was demanding, showed her love, served her, cared for her, and one day, as she was going through the house, she came across one of the lists from her former husband. And all of those feelings and emotions came back to her. But now, she realized, as she looked at that list, she realized that she'd been doing all of the things on the list but she wasn't doing them from a place of oppression and wasn't doing them from a place of, of, of utter, just strict obedience to the commands of her husband, but she was doing them in the freedom of love. In much the same way, this is how it is for those who are in Christ. We don't live our lives as though God has given us his word to be oppressive in our lives. As though we have to checklist every single day. Well, did I lie today? No. If I did today, oh, I'm such a bad person. You see, so many times, I see so many Christians living defeated lives because they, they think they're in that first marriage. They think as though God is looking at them every single day. And at the end of the day, he's saying, you're not this, you're not this, you're not this. You've messed up here, you've messed up here, you've messed up here. And that's not what God's doing. That's not what he's doing. We do that to ourselves. We are putting that on ourselves. As though somehow we think we can earn God's favor. Instead, what God's doing when we lay our head at on our pillow at night 
is he's saying, I love you. I love you. I love you. I know that you can't be obedient in this way. I know that you've messed up, but guess what? I paid for, your sin has been paid for. It's paid for, 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 it's paid for. That's a totally different way to live because that's a life of freedom. That's a life of saying, I know I messed up, but you know what? I know you're still here. In a similar way, I know I walk through my life and every single day there are times in which my wife gives me a list of things to do. And there are times in which I forget. There are times in which she says something and it goes in one ear and right out the other. And there, (laughs) amen, I got an amen on that one. There are times in which I do that, but yet, and there are times in which there's conflict in our marriage because she doesn't feel like I care for her and, and, and listen to her words and all that. And all that's true, but you know what? We're gonna go to bed, married, and we're gonna wake up, married. Why? Because this is what a covenant relationship looks like. It's not transactional. It's not a, you do this and then you get this. God God is not saying, if you obey, then you have my, my pleasure and you have my presence. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, I know that you're not gonna obey. I know that you can't be faithful to all of this. But where you are unfaithful, I will be faithful. My faith trumples or trumps your unfaithfulness. God's faithfulness always trumps our unfaithfulness. And this is where we live. Christian, if you're here today and you've already placed your faith and trust in Jesus, live in the freedom. Don't be bogged down by the fact of thinking that you're not good enough, that you're not smart enough, and that you can't, you need to do more for Jesus. That's not it. It's when you surrender to him and you say, God, all I want is you, then you begin to produce fruit. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, you've never come to the place of trusting him as your Lord and Savior, then today the response that God is calling you to is to let go. You feel the the consequences and the repercussions of your sinful life and you're overwhelmed by your shame, then just bring it to Jesus and say, Jesus, I wanna follow you as my Lord and Savior. I wanna trust in you. Forgive me for all the things that I've done and now I wanna follow you. Or maybe you're here today and you've slipped into the old habits of trying to follow God and to be right with God based on the law. Stop. Today, just let go. You're not going to get the presence and the peace and the power of God by trying to do it on your own. It's only going to lead to more heartache and to more pain and to more hurt. But today, lay it at his feet and trust in Jesus and live in this great relationship that he's given us. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your words today. We thank you for your love, and we thank you, Father, that you've given us a new way to live. Father, forgive us for when we live as though we're still under the law, as if somehow we have to live every single day trying to please you, when in reality, Father, all you want us to do is to find our pleasure in you. 
just to rest in the fact that you love us. Rest in the fact that you have accepted us. Rest in the fact that you have adopted us and that you know all of our good, all of our bad, and all of our ugly, and yet you still love us. Father, I truly pray today that as we struggle in this life, as we are constantly reminded and surrounded by voices that say, do better, be better, that that's not the way you desire for us to live, not to do better and to be better, but just to surrender. So Father, help us. Father, I know there are some in this room that deeply are struggling, that have never really understood the freedom that we have in you, that live still as though they're bound by the law and it's killing them. I pray today that you would release them, that you would help them to see that they're no longer, the, the law no longer has dominion over their lives, but that they are bound to you and you are a God of grace and a God of mercy. Father, as we sing this song, may the words that come out of our mouths be a reflection of our heart. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself to us today.